Hi, I'm Mark Stoudemire, host and creator of Get to the Joke, a web series that's a master class in the art of stand-up comedy. I hope you find today's episode to be both fun and helpful, and you can help me out by subscribing to my YouTube channel and liking the video, and feel free to drop a comment. I'll be happy to get back to you. All right, well, let's get to the joke. I'm Mark Stoudemire, a comedian from Philadelphia. As you can probably imagine, I'm much going on uh, right now. Uh, I can tell you the most exciting thing I had going on this week was my buddy called me up. He was like, hey Mark, found this cat outside. So I neutered him, gave him the shots, and I rushed this cat. You want to come over and see my cat? Well, I got some better to do. I for like 45 minutes to come see this cat. Showed this guy's house, cat's not even there. The dude, where's this cat going? Ooh, it's an outdoor cat. <laughs> outdoor cat? Let me get this straight, fella. You found a cat outside, cut its balls off, and put it right back outside. Seems like a pretty raw deal for that cat. Story has another turn. This guy has two other cats. They're both house cats. Not house with outdoor cat deals. Like, oh, outdoor cat, don't be coming in here. See all this food and air conditioning and love? That's not for you. You can't run back outside, you outside cat. Now I know how Cooper Manning feels. Nobody. All right. For those who don't know, Cooper Manning is Eli and Peyton Manning's other brother. There's a reason you never heard about Cooper Manning. Because nobody cares about Cooper Manning. He's an outdoor cat. And today's guest is the very talented David James, who it was such an honor to get on this show. I uh, truly blessed that he agreed to come on and really open up about his childhood and, and uh, his career in stand-up and how he develops jokes. David James is one of the best comics I get to work with, um, and that's a true understatement, actually. David is... Um, not only the original winner of the Phillies Funniest, but he just came out with his own album called Kidnapping Season, which you can uh, purchase by uh, clicking on the link in the show notes to this. Uh, he has opened for such talented comics like Greg Giraldo, which we talk about a little bit, Bill Burr, uh, J.B. Smoove. Um, this was truly a classic episode of Get to the Joke. I appreciate David's candor, his openness to talk about real issues that he has overcome in his life, and uh, just to get to know him on a deeper level. I've always uh, truly enjoyed David as one of the best comics that I get to see on shows, and uh, I think this interview will really will show that to everybody else. I hope you enjoy this, so let's now get to the episode.
Uh, the worst job I used to have was I tried to mentor some juvenile delinquents from Philadelphia, which was a huge mistake. Yeah, so I, I went to the school. It was basically Hogwarts for thugs. That's basically where it was. And I tried to mentor these kids, right? And I didn't know that all they care about is your car and your shoes, right? And the first day I showed up wearing Skechers, which was a huge mistake. And I've been heckled by adults, but I've never been heckled by criminal children before, right? So it was a weird experience. It was like, yo, look at this broke-ass, bald-ass, LeVar Ball-looking bitch up in here. With your whack-ass shoes. Where'd you get your shoes? Four men meals, four men meals. Right? And the more I tried to defend myself, the worse it got. I was like, hey, I got these on sale. Like, yo, he said he got them on sale. It's like, I had a coupon. Yo, he said he had a coupon. It's like, my grandmother gave me that coupon. This nigga grandmother gave me the coupon. Right? Now, here's the thing. They don't know I do comedy, right? And keep in mind, they're locked up at this place, so I got to defend myself at this point. And I was like, hey, you know what these shoes get to do? What's that, Mr. Dave? Get no bitches? <laughs> I was like, they get to go home. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, that's messed up, Mr. Dave. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe you should go tell your dad to try to fight me if you had one. <laughs> I'm fired? Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Calling David James. Cool. Oh, hey, what's going on? You can hear me okay? All right. Can you can you hear me at all? You're you're good on my end. Oh, wait, by the way, how are yeah. you doing with coronavirus? How are you? You and your you and your family friends? You guys are doing okay? Have you been? Have you got COVID or anything? How are you dealing with COVID? Everybody right now? in my family, everybody in my family got COVID. Thank God, and they're all dead. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like I haven't gotten it. Like I've had two friends have gotten it, but like no family. Um, Good. Um, or I should say, friends I care about that got. Um, but yeah, but no, um, yeah, I mean, the only, the main effects is basically people trying to avoid things that they used to do that they can't do anymore yeah. or, you know, not have any money because all their jobs are gone. So how are you making out then with no, 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 uh, ride sharing and no, um, comedy right now? Like, I had to go, I had to go, I had to go, I was on Instacart for a while. Okay. Um, then I had to go, then I had to go on unemployment mm -hmm. and then, uh. I was waiting for I was waiting for proceeds from the album to come in for his for like online plays like Series X and all that other stuff, but that process apparently doesn't kick in till like September or some shit. Uh, for you, do you remember like the earliest point in your life where you knew you were funny and um, knew that you could use that for whatever it was in your life that being funny helped you out with? Um, it was probably that I, probably I didn't know that I was funny. I wasn't aware of it, I guess. I guess it was like certain things I would say that I guess maybe kind of shown that my mind thought differently. Okay. But it wasn't like I was trying to be the class clown or anything like that. Like I was. So you were not a I class clown. I was never like the, I was never the funny guy. In <laughs> really? Were you more quiet? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, well. Like, if, if, if you were in my friendship group, mm -hmm. like my my circle of friends, you would know that I was funny. 
Okay. But, like, if you just knew me as the guy in English class, you would not know that I was flying at all. Okay. Well, so I, I read that you were a military kid and moved around a lot. So was being, yeah. did, did you use your humor to make new friends? And that seemed to be something that you have to do quite often, being the son of a military, military parent. Not really. You just kind of get used to the life. Like, uh, people who, like, grew up in, mili in military families, like, you're just used to moving a lot. Okay. So, like, making new friends and losing friends is just, like, something that just, it's just, you just go through it, you know. But it wasn't like, I don't think I ever used humor to get new friends. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think I was just, yeah, yeah. Well, no, well you had mentioned that. Like I said, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Um, like when I was mentioning earlier, like I wasn't really aware that like, if like, if they were like voting for funniest person, I would yeah. never be like, oh, that's definitely going to be me. Like, <laughs> I wasn't like that. I wasn't like, I didn't, I wasn't like, that's going to be, I wasn't aware, you know? Like yeah. if I got like third place, I'd be like, why the fuck am I in third place? I wouldn't even, it wasn't even a thing in my mind <laughs> as far as like being the funny guy. Yeah. Well then, so like, so where did your sense of humor come from then? So when you, cause I, I, I read somewhere where you said that your friend said that you had a weird mind and that is like what kind of yeah. got you kind of like, oh, maybe I could do stand up or something like that. What, what was it that said it was like you had a weird mind? Like, what did that mean? I think, uh, that I, I would, when I was little, apparently I would say things or respond at, like in an outside of the box kind of way. <laughs> like, uh, one time my, my mom was legendary for getting angry, angry and like just cursing us all out. And then like, <laughs> then she'd like leave the house and sing she's abandoning the family. And would be like, first time she did, it's like, yeah, she's never coming back. And then like, she would come back with Burger King. <laughs> she felt bad or something like that. And we're like, we're like, we should do this more often. So she comes back with Burger King. We gotta make her flip out. But, uh, she got so mad one day that she called me a little son of a bitch. Oh my gosh. And so I was probably like, I was probably like eight or something like that, maybe. Yeah. Eight or nine. Yeah. And then I said, wait, wouldn't that, I said, wait, wouldn't that make you a bitch? <laughs> and then, and, the, but I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just like, that's just how yeah. my mind works. <laughs> you know, and like, she like ran into her room. I thought she was going to go get like, you know, um, a belt, you know? <laughs> And so she, I was just waiting for a beating, the, the, and then uh, she just never came out. She just like stayed in the room and she was laughing. Oh, okay. So she appreciated. Yeah. Then I yeah. Well, I creeped to the door because I thought I was like, "Why did she come out? I'm waiting for the beating." And she's in the room laughing. I put my my ear up against the door. Yeah. And so I guess that's like, oh, I guess that was a funny thing I said. You know, for me, I didn't know it was a funny thing. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Because so, well, were your parents split up? Your parents split yeah, up? Yeah. Okay, because I saw you had mentioned that how you kind of got into comedy with your dad turned you on to Eddie Murphy and Bill Cosby when you went to go visit them. So that's what I, so, so did you, yeah. so are you an only child or did you have siblings at all? Um, I had an older sibling. Well, I got to explain black families. So, um, <laughs> my, uh, my mother, uh, had, uh, her first child, which is my older sister, uh -huh. and then um, that didn't work out with the father. And then she had my older brother, and that didn't work out with the father. And then she had me, and that didn't work out with the father. Okay. So basically, my two older siblings are half, and then my dad got remarried and had two more kids. So all my sisters, all my brothers and sisters are half. So are so you close two, with all of them still, or? Um, my, I talk to my younger brother and sister the most. Okay. So yeah. 
Would you say that you maybe use humor to kind of diffuse your mom? It sounds like that may be coming, like maybe that was the first time, and then after that, you did you, what's, what, explain the relationship with you and your mom, maybe. Maybe that helped me better understand. What was it like I, with you and your mom? At that time, I didn't, I was always thinking outside the box, I guess, so yeah. like, that was just how my mind worked in general. So she knew, she knew that if she was going to come at me with something yeah. that she had to make sure she strategized it, I guess. Okay. You know? Yeah. So like, she's like, okay, he's going to have something to say. Yeah. Even if he's not trying to be a smart ass, he's just going to have something to say. So I got to have a strategy before I go in and yell at him or whatever it may be. Okay. Well, you know, cause my thing was like, my thing was like, why? Uh -huh. Like explain it to me why. You're saying this, or you're doing this, or the punishment. Like most people, they just accept the punishment. Like I need an explanation yeah. of why you thought it was the right thing to go do this. Okay. Kind of thing. So I was like, I was that type of kid. So you like, the first joke I probably ever yeah. said. Um, I remember I was in fifth grade, and there was this teacher, and the girls set me up at at lunch, and so they said, "Hey, what do you think, Mrs. What's her name would look like in a bathing suit?" <laughs> and I said, uh, California Raven, because <laughs> she's old. <laughs> like, and, you know, and she's, she's old and troubled, so I said she looked like a California Raven. <laughs> and so they went and told her I said this, but they're the one who fucking set me up. Like, I never would have said that if they didn't ask me the question. But they didn't tell her that they were going around asking that question. They just said that David said that you would look like a California Raven in a bathing suit. And so she... He fucking got pissed at me. And what happened? You know? What'd she so do? I was like, well, that's not fucking fair. <laughs> oh, that, that year was a fucking crazy, man. It was, that was an elementary school where I was the only black kid in my grade. Oh, wow. And so, uh, and so, uh, most, usually it was the only black kid in the entire fucking school. <laughs> but, uh, I think I set a record for, for signing the conduct book. <laughs> like, if you did anything, they made you sign a conduct book. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, what's, what, what did he do? It's not like, it's not like if you sign it ten times and you get suspended, or it's not like if you sign it ten times you get a beating. It was just signing the conduct book, you know. <laughs> well, so what? So, so you weren't a class clown, but you acted out. It seems like that would would, I, would that be like were you no, troublemaker if you're signing the conduct no, book? No, I was pretty quiet. Okay. I. It was one of those things where like I knew it was only black kids, so like things were just not going to be quite fair. Yeah. Like that same year in fifth grade, I remember there was a girl who fingered herself. <laughs> and uh in what grade? Long story fifth grade. <laughs> okay. Fifth <laughs> fucking grade. Yeah, before I knew that was a cool thing to watch. And um you know, she'd finger herself and then like she'd take her fingers out of her hand and go, <laughs> you know, and like she would do this when the teacher had her back or doing something on the board and she'd like make eye contact with me sitting across. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, and they're like, Dave, it's not a comic book. It's like, just fucking finger herself. Oh my you god. Know? And they're like, whatever, whatever your black lies, go sign the comic book, you know. <laughs> And all the other kids be like, no, she's fingering herself. No, don't make up lies for him. What is this place? The place was crazy. Wow. Okay. So we just covered a lot of ground just in these first five minutes. Um, I don't even know where. So, so your your entire so your entire schooling, you were the only African American kid in your entire school. So what did that? Were you caught with a constant racism there all the was, time? There. Oh, there was there was. Tons of races. Yeah, it was the first day of kindergarten. They asked me if I colored myself with a crayon. Jesus. 
And so I stopped talking to people because I was like, these fucking white kids are crazy. Yeah. And so since I stopped talking to them, they thought I was socially retarded. <laughs> and so even though, even though I was academically fine, yeah. they said that I was socially delayed. So they put me in this class called B first grade because I wasn't ready to go to first grade. Wow. So pre first grade is basically an audition for we think you might be retarded, but we're not sure. <laughs> and so pre first grade was basically all the legitimate dumb white kids. Yeah. And then all the minorities. <laughs> so it was like me. It was like me, a girl that was half black, half white. There was like um, two Hispanic kids and like three Native Americans, and then like twelve just dumb as fuck white kids. <laughs> You know. I don't mean to, but like, so wait, so, why don't you ever talk about this in your act? I don't, is there, is, is there a reason that you consciously put that to the side? There is like humor in that entire. I've just heard, I've just heard people be like, uh, talking about, you know, like, well, I grew up as the only, you know, black kid and I guess they picked me first for basketball. <laughs> you know, it's like. Then it's like I think about that, and then I get angry, even though that's not where I would go. It's just, the, just the thought of it makes me get angry, and just not even like go further than what I, what I would do. Okay. Well, what yeah. about violent racism? Was there any violence towards you because of your because of your skin color? No, no, no. I was um, I guess I was athletic, so like it wasn't like a thing to go try to beat me up or something. Okay. Like, that. like the only per- the only person that beat me up was my brother, <laughs> and then uh. These, these two kids who were like meatheads and they were like in high school when I was like maybe like sixth grade or something. Jesus. And they were like 11th or 12th. And they were like, they were like, they like just signed up for the Marines and some other shit. And they were just like bullies. They were just fucking with me one day and like throwing me in the pool and all this other crap. And I remember I got up out of the water. I was like, um, I'll show you what I'm going to call my cousin. They're like, who's your cousin? I said my cousin's name and they all started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> then I realized, like, oh, my cousin ain't shit. <laughs> like, my, cousin, my cousin has no name. He has no clown. They laughed when I said my cousin's name. What would you do? What, did you go and tell your parents that, like, hey, they're putting me in a special class because, like, just because I'm just different than their kids? Like, I'm not, I'm not like retarded, but like they're. When gonna... you're five, when, yeah, I mean, when you're five or six, you're not aware of that. Okay. You know? so, like, <laughs> My mom, my mom fought against it or whatever, but they're like, no, he's socially backwards. But I remember like um, the pre-first grade teacher tried to make me into a rapist. Like um, as a first grader, there was this girl. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Not like a not like a literal rapist. Yeah. Oh, okay. You understand what I say? Yeah. So there was this girl who, uh, at the time, I guess like we don't know this as kids, but when you get older, you realize like she was yeah. poor white trash. Okay. So she was like, the, you know, the kid, like, you know, parents would send her to school without babying her and shit like that. Yeah. And I remember she had like, she had like athletes before I even knew what the fuck that was. <laughs> and she was like picking on it, picking at it in the middle of story time, like <laughs> peeling skin off of her foot. And I was like staring, like, what the fuck is that? And then the teacher goes, uh, Dane, stop staring at her legs and like sexualizing her. Jesus. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You know, and then she like wrote me up and sent me to the principal's office. She said I was like being like a sexual predator. Oh my god! Yeah. And you're in first grade. That's not even a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, six years Jesus. old. Jesus, six so, years old rapist. Yeah. So, so, what so was... I, I started to understand then. It's like as much as that mind can understand at that age, mm-hmm. you know that oh, this is this is because I'm black. Yeah. You know? Tell me your relationship with school. 
mean, the fact that you had a legitimate job I mean, after, like, you know, the college had a legitimate, pretty decent job, and... Hmm. It's, uh, well, I mean, elementary school is like, school didn't get, like, easier until, until seventh grade, uh -huh. that's it. But then that's because I moved away from Texas. Oh, oh, this is all so in Texas, I, okay. Yeah, so uh, this, this is all in Texas, sense. so school got a lot better in sixth grade because I went from that elementary school uh -huh. to middle school. Yeah. So that's when things got started getting better, and then things got dramatically better when I, when I moved away from Texas in seventh grade. Okay. But being in Texas in elementary school, it was, it was shit I had to deal with every single fucking year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was there racism outside of school? Oh, what? Uh, what? <laughs> oh, go ahead. Mmm. Things like, yeah. I mean, like, but they were associated with school, if that makes sense. So, like, okay. Um, I remember there was like a birthday party. Yeah. In fifth grade, I want to say, and everybody's like dancing with each other, but, um, I wasn't allowed to dance with anybody. Oh my god. If that makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> it's like going to, it's like going to a segregated prom. Yeah. The only time <laughs> so I feel like, I'm just gonna go fucking do the fox trap with the other black kids. It's just like, oh, I'm just gonna go play. So, what I ended up doing, I just, I just went outside and had a basketball hoop and I just like shot hoops by myself. During the dance. And okay. I waited till the dance was over so I could go home. So, I mean, like, so there wasn't, like, adult racism. Like, you didn't see, like, adults as being, like, super mean and just, like, or condescending or just, like... Only only, only one kid's parent I knew were racist, but he told me that. Oh, okay. So, like, um, there was this kid, he was really small. Uh -huh. He was always a small kid. Uh -huh. And um, he wanted me to... I, he felt bad, like, long story short, but my sister had committed suicide when I was in fifth grade. So wow. he had uh, felt bad and like wrote me a letter. He was like the only kid that wrote me like a letter saying like, "Hey, sorry for this or whatever." Oh, that was nice. And then he invited me to go hang out at his house. But he lived at a trailer park, and it was also the type of trailer park that on the way there, I'd been there before because my Native American friend lived yeah. there. So I had two Native American friends, and they both lived in the trailer park, <laughs> and they were the closest thing I had to black friends. So we all hung out together. So I was familiar with the trailer park, but. The white kid also lived in a different part of that trailer park, but I always remember there were so many dead cats, like, on the way to the trailer park. Like, just fucking, you would just see, like, eight dead cats on the road on the way to the fucking trailer park. Yeah, hilarious. And, uh, I remember he had a pool, or like a, it wasn't a, I don't think it was an underground pool, it was like, but it was a gigantic above-ground pool, like, big. Yeah. And, um... I remember he told me, he's like, yeah, my dad wasn't that happy when I told him you were coming by or whatever, I'm you know? Sure. But, like, his dad was never, his dad was never like, yeah, you're a bigger boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he, my friend just told me about yeah. it, but, like, his parents weren't mean to me at all or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, but I guess they just had reservations. Yeah, yeah that's still, cra I mean, that's still, that's still crazy. So, so, with just all this unfairness growing up, I mean, until, I guess, like, but it's still, like, your formative years that you're in Texas and you're getting unfairly treated how do you adjust now like right i mean like right now you're not like you're not angry or at least i don't i never picture you being angry or you're not like you know how what is it that makes you like that you did you somehow like work through all that crap that happened to you when you're little or is is or just like just you saw well, the I bullshit mean, it in it I mean, it was just shit that happened. It wasn't like civil rights stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, but still, you know, like, kinda. People are protesting when I, I know what I'm saying, like, in my head, that's how I'm like, yeah. you know, I guess I'm not 
trying to r- rationalize why I'm not like traumatized by it. I okay. Guess, if that makes sense. Okay. It, you know, because I'm like, you know, way, 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 way worse stuff happened racially. Yeah. You know, than I still guess can really kind of fuck with people. I know, yeah. but still, like that was that was not the childhood I had. You know, so it's like, I mean, not that way. No, but, I mean, but there, there are two, there's two sides to it. How, how I guess when when something like this comes up, it's like. Yeah. It's like, okay, of course there's always going to be somebody worse uh-huh. that's experienced the same thing that you're complaining about, uh-huh. but it doesn't mean that that didn't affect you, I guess that, that yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say. It's like, you yeah. can't dis, you can't discount how that got, how that affected somebody, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, if someone finger banged me as a kid, uh-huh. you know, and of course there's going to be a kid who got fucked, yeah. you know? So yeah. of course... The kid who got fucked is always going to be champion when it comes to the trauma. <laughs> He's going to be the champion of trauma. Yeah. You know, but it's like, but it doesn't mean that you can't listen to the kid that got fingerbacks. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's the that's what I'm trying to put. Yeah. It's like um, you know, it's like maybe I would have been more traumatized if it was worse kind of thing. So I guess if that makes sense. So um, so you also dropped the fact that your sister committed suicide. Now, how old were you when this happened? Young, because you were still in Texas. Uh, um, I was in fifth grade, so, um, what, like 11 or something like that? Was she living with you, or was she, like, somewhere else at that time? No, she was living with a boyfriend. Like, um, I want to say, apparently, she was closer to the city. Like, we were in the suburbs of Houston. Okay, so... Yeah, so she, yeah, so she was, like, she was, like, out of the nest. She was, uh, 23, I was What was your relationship with her? Because, so you were younger, she was 23. Did you guys have a relationship? Was it a good relationship? Was it just, like, fit? friends almost what was it yeah, like yeah i mean as much as you no know, i mean as much as you can with that big of an age difference yeah you know what i mean um, would she take care of you at so all it's like you know like yeah 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 so it's like when when there's that big of an age difference that the oldest sibling ends up being like a pseudo dad or mom or whatever uh-huh. so it's like if my mom was working like my oldest sister was like making dinner or whatever it might be or like you know if we didn't have any money for Christmas presents or birthday presents, like she would go get something for for me. Oh wow! Know, yeah. For my, my brother. So it's like, you know, I like I knew the present was from her. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even though it has like mom's name on it or something like that. You know? Okay, so she sounds like a really sweet person, and 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 then what what was the reason for this? Was she depressed? Was it something just? Was it like was it like a I don't know? Was it depression? Was it something I think else? There was, I think there's depression that runs on the side of the family. Uh-huh. Um, also, I mean, I don't know if she had someone that she had that that she talked to, like a best friend or anything uh-huh. like that. You know, like I was too little to really know much. And plus, they like they shield you from things. Like I wasn't yeah. allowed to watch the news for a week just in case it was on the news or oh, something geez. like that. Yeah, you know. So like, yeah, so they like shield you from a lot of that stuff. But yeah. so what was that like so then? Like, when um, you found out she committed suicide, what was it like for you? Was it was there like therapy? Was there like consoling? Was there just like distancing? Like what was, what was it like? I mean, no, there was no therapy whatsoever. No. Okay. Um, Not even the school guidance counselor. Okay. No, no. That's crazy. You basically like, you know, you take the time off of school, you do the traveling, you do the funeral, all that uh-huh. stuff, and then you just come back and you're just back in school. So, you know? but there was no there was no counseling or anything like that. No. I, mean, I don't even so, know if we had a school counselor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> question. <laughs> so I mean, so you had like a pseudo mother figure in your life, and and then I mean, she didn't just die; she committed suicide. Did that change you in any way? I mean, did that 
make you more withdrawn? Did you get closer to your family as a result of that? Was there any, or was it just like, I think let's brush out of the rug and keep older, living? I think my older cousins told me that they, they saw like a change in me after that. Maybe it was like, I wasn't a little boy anymore kind of thing. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you know, you're in a little boy world. You're like, oh, here's my Christmas list, even though I know we have no money and we ain't getting shit. Yeah. You know? So it's like, <laughs> this is what I want for my birthday, you know? But then like, something like that happens and then it's just like, oh, fuck, you know, the world is real kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, I would say it was, it was, it was the last time I cried. Yeah. yeah. That was the last time I cried. Do you, do you yeah. go, I'm assuming she's probably buried in Texas. Do you go down there at all? Or if you're in Texas, do you make a, make a no, trip to Actually, sure? we, we went to, we went to Kentucky because that's where my mom's family's from. Okay. So we went to, we went from Houston to Kentucky and that's where she's buried at. But um, okay. yeah, I remember like the, the wake was a big thing because I'd never seen a dead body before. Oh wow. Okay. You know, and no one, no one, no one prepared me for that. Wow. So it was like yeah. a freak out. It was like a freak out thing and a reality thing where it's like, oh, she's definitely dead, and that's also what a dead body looks like. Yeah. So it was like that's a nuts. combination where you just fucking lose your shit. You yeah. Know? That's nuts. And then, uh, but then, but then by the funeral, I was kind of the wake was more devastating for me than the funeral. The wake yeah. was way worse for me than the funeral because yeah. I guess the funeral I had time to process it, and I was like, okay, this is a real kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I cried, but I wasn't like. Losing my shit like I was at the wake. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. So when I when I is the stereotype that all comedians are fucked up. What would you say about that stereotype? Oh yeah, I always expect when you talk to Because this, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, hearing a whole bunch yeah. of things, and it just seems. Like that. Now, who did you have a better relationship with? Your mother or your sister? The sister that we're just talking about. Um, well, my, um, it's not like a better relationship kind of thing. It's just like, my sister was gone at such a young age mm -hmm. that like, you know, there's just a shorter time span. Yeah. You know, or it's like, you know, I've known my mother my entire life, or it's like my yeah. sister, like that relationship was gone by like fifth grade. Okay. You know? But you had mentioned so, like your mom would have like, like these. A, different thing where it's not like no i was gonna say because you had mentioned like your mom will have like these um fits let's call them and so i didn't know what your relationship was like yeah. with her and if maybe your sister stepped in to kind of be the more nurturing like your mother provided but your sister was more like the motherly kind of what you read in books about kind of thing she 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 wasn't like come and give you hugs type of sister okay yeah she was more like a like um She'll like make, you know, make you do it, but she wasn't like going to teach you how to ride a bike type of system. Yeah. You okay. Know? It was more like a, you know, take care of what needs to be taken care of, you know, coke if mom's not around, like, you know, make sure you had something for Christmas or a birthday type of sister. Like she wasn't yeah. like a, you know, come and sit with me kind of, kind of sister. Kind okay. Of that. Yeah. Okay. But it's also, I mean, there was a huge, there was a huge age difference also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, no, absolutely. So like, um, yeah, but also it's like I had also moved away from living with my mother two years after that. Why? So I wasn't living with I I hadn't I was we were in Denver, Colorado, and then uh, I was living with her and um and then I went to go visit my dad that summer and then I decided to uh to stay with my dad. And my mom had certain her own circumstances going on at that time, so it was kinda like a perfect 
Okay. I guess balance of she couldn't really have me, and also I decided to kind of go stay with my dad. Okay. So what was that so like then? By, like, um, that was a weird thing, uh, because like yeah, I visited my dad, but like. You don't like, and like spend some weeks or whatever, but like you never like lived with that person. So uh-huh. you don't really know what it's like. Yeah. You know? And my dad had been remarried and, um, they just like had their first kid, which my sister's about, about one years old at that time. Okay. And so it's like, it's like living with dad, you know, being around your stepmother and you got like a new sister kind of thing. Uh-huh. So it's like a big transition. But I also immediately knew probably within a couple, probably within a week that I was not welcome there. Why? So my stepmother did not want any Just because you were not her kid? It's be- Yeah. Yeah. But I guess my dad was overruling the situation. Yeah. I know, like, he, I guess, he had veto power, whatever you want to say, so. But, I mean, it was made known that I was not welcome there. Yeah. So what was your childhood like? Because I'm hearing, I'm hearing a whole bunch of stuff. I'm hearing, I'm hearing you live with a mom, and I don't know, I still don't, maybe understand what your relationship with her was like, whether she was like a motherly figure or whether it was kind of like you didn't know one day to the next how she was going to be. You had a sister that commits suicide that you were close to. You have racist school system. It sounds like you grew up poor based on what you're saying with your Christmas situation. Um, your dad's, your dad's family, even they didn't want you there and now you're there because he said so. So who knows what that vibe is like. So what was your childhood like, if you had to package it up? I don't think I really had, like, a good time until probably, probably, like, seventh grade. But we had moved to Denver by then. So, like, you know, it was a whole new scene. You know, there's other minorities there, Uh you know. So that, like, that whole race thing isn't really, like, a, as, as prominent, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's no bag, there's no baggage from all the stuff that happened previously, mm-hmm. you know, in Texas. So it's like, they, they don't know about the girl finger banging herself. <laughs> they don't know about the racist teachers. <laughs> you know, so it's like a clean slate kind of thing. Okay. So I started getting a lot, I guess, a lot happier probably around then just because of, you're spending most of your hours in school. Yeah. But you still, know? you went home and so, there's a woman there that, is hostile to you? Did she, what did she do? Just be cold to you? She just, or would she actively try to manipulate you in negative ways? Well, in, in sixth grade, I was in Texas. Seventh grade, I moved to Denver with my mom. Uh-huh. And then in eighth grade is when I moved in with my dad in Virginia. Okay. Um, by, so, by, by Fort Belvoir. Okay. So that's when I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. Okay. So it was like a, um, I remember we went to, um, I was heavily into comic books. I used to like read comic yeah. books and draw comic books like constantly. Yeah. So we went to the PX, which is the equivalent of uh, an army Walmart. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. So it's on base and it's basically, it's basically an army Walmart. Okay. So, um, I think my dad had been giving me an allowance at that time. It was uh-huh. like $20 a week, uh-huh. but like that $20 means like if I wanted to go to movies, I had to use that money. Yeah. If I needed like, I had to go buy my own toothpaste, things like that. Like, oh. it wasn't, like, provided for me. Oh, wow. So that $20 wasn't, like, a real $20 to do whatever you want with it. Then you'd be like, oh, I need toothpaste. I gotta go yeah. use this $20. Yeah. So, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I'm sorry. So, so my dad was still um, training at um, Harvard at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and so he, was gonna, he wasn't going to be back 
with us until maybe two months later or something like that, probably when the school year started. And so um, it was basically me, my stepmother, and my little sister for like for a little while, maybe like six weeks or something like that. And um, but I remember, like I said, we went to PX, a military Walmart, <laughs> and um, I had just forgotten my twenty dollar bill at home. Yeah. And I said, hey, do you mind if I borrow like five dollars to buy this comic book, and I'll give you five dollars when I get back? And she flipped out, like lost her shit, like fucking like, you don't ask me for nothing. I don't want you here. You know, you don't like belong here. You don't ask me from anything like losing her shit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's clear now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. So I was like, okay. Did, yeah. Did so you, like, that's what I realized. I was like, oh, well, this isn't going to be a fairy tale. Were you comfortable <laughs> telling your dad that his wife is just being overly mean to you for little to no reason? It just—it was just kind of like an unspoken. That's just the way it is, kind of thing. And that's just how it went. Wow. You know. So I mean, like, so what you said um, earlier is right. You you be you were you were never a boy. You never were a kid. You were an adult male from a very young age. You had to look out for yourself. You were responsible for yourself and for your well-being. Is that accurate? Not completely. I could okay. mean, like, I had cousins and stuff, you know, but I mean, like, I had to mentally grow up faster, I guess, if that makes sense. Wow. So, like, at that point, like, when I moved in with my dad and my stepmother, I kind of went to the, okay, I'm in this situation, uh-huh. but, you know, we've been evicted before and, like, bounced around, living with my aunt and some uh-huh. other things, so it's like, I was like, I got a stable house, I have a bedroom, Yeah. you know, like, my dad goes grocery shopping, you uh-huh. know, so it's just like, all right, I'm just going to stick this out, but I'm also going to show that nothing will hurt me. Okay. okay. So I'm, I showed no emotion. I showed that nothing got to me, pretty much. I just basically just like, you know, whatever's going to happen, like, I'm not going to fucking show any emotion towards it. Like, I don't, the only time I did was... Something happened wherever, and I just got sick of a lot of this shit, and I think we were on the way to church, and I just got out of the car, and I was like, fuck this, I'm just walking somewhere else. And my dad was, like, yelling at me to get back in the car. Yeah, but, like, after that, but that was, like, within a couple of months of living there. But, like, after that, like, I was like, I'm not showing any emotion. I'm not showing, you know, that any of this whatever potential, whatever was going to get to me. Like, it would be, like, stuff where, like, you know, they'd be like, um, trying to tell my younger brother and sister not to talk to me because I'm not their real brother. Things like that. Or like, you know, they would go get dinner and I wasn't allowed to have it. Like I had to go get my own kind of thing. Oh my God. And then I had to go do their dishes. And then I had to go do their dishes afterwards. Dude, you're like Cinderella. So we're going to have this thing. Yeah. You're like, you're like, <laughs> you're like a black male Cinderella. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's unbelievable. First of all, thank you for sharing that. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's, that's my only fans. That's my only fans character. <laughs> well, <Black>. so, <laughs> so what? So you? I mean, you just, you just said it. I, I'm emotionally just going to shut down. And you even mentioned the last time you cried was at your sister's funeral, which is when you were a young kid. Have you been more emotional now that you're an adult, or are you still like? Have you see this? This still ripple effects. Even at, as you get older, like this no emotion it, thing. It's a, it's completely a character flaw now. Okay. Completely a character. Which is crazy because like one of the nicest guys I know. 
Well, my friends that really know me, yeah. like, uh, they'd be like, oh, I thought it's like, like, oh, we just thought that you don't care about anything or you just don't have any emotions kind of thing like that. <laughs> or it's like, I do, I just don't have emotions like the rest of you do. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like, if something happens, like, I'm able to roll it off my shoulder really quickly, you know, or not even let it hit me at all. You okay. Know? So is so comedy like, your outlet? But it's not... But, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um... Not really. Okay. I think comedy just came, that came across as something where like, my friends who knew me thought I was funny and they were like, oh, maybe you should try it or something like that. Cause they knew like, I guess my mind thought differently. Yeah. Kind well, of yeah. So I, I saw this you know. and I, I, this is one of my questions is I want to know if you can remember what was the time, whether it, it clicked in your head that you want to get on stage. Cause I saw the, your first time was at the laugh house. You were kind of sick of the nine to five mm -hmm. job. Your friends were saying, you know, you had a weird mind that you were funny, but like, I mean, you were doing comic books at this time. Um, what, I mean, all that stuff doesn't mean that you want to do comedy, you know? So what was it that were like, I want to get, I mean, you could have done anything else. You could have gone to radio. You could have done writing. You could have done anything else. But what was it like? Maybe I should get on a stage in front of a whole bunch of people and tell jokes at the laugh house. What, do you remember the minute we were like, I kind of want to do this. Well, before that, it was, I realized that I understood comedy at a young age. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, w I was watching, I remember shows I would watch. I'd watch Benny Hill. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And this is all stuff I was doing by myself. Yeah, like, I was, I was doing it by myself. Like, none of my cousins or anybody else was into it except for me. Yeah. But I understood why Benny Hill was funny. And sure, I had the pretty girls and all that, but yeah. I understood why it was funny. Oh, yeah. Like, when I was watching Richard Pro I mean, um, Eddie Murphy and Bill Cosby, like, these are like VHS tapes I would watch when I was visiting my dad and he yeah. was on base working and I'm in the house by myself. <laughs> like, I wasn't watching it with my brother, I wasn't watching it with my dad, it was something I just discovered and watched on myself. But not even though I shouldn't have been watching it, you know. <laughs> but, but I understood the comedy of it. Okay. Like, Married with Children, I used to love that show because I understood the comedy of yeah. it. So, there were certain, but I was doing these things at a young age because everybody else was older than me, so I had to do most of the stuff by myself. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, all my cousins and brothers was way older than me, so I had to do a lot of things by myself. So anyway, I understood comedy at a young age and why things were fun. Okay. So I think that was, that was the first thing. Like, not a lot of people, the only shows that we watched as a family comedy-wise that mm -hmm. I remember was probably, um... Robert Townsend specials. Okay. Um, and the, uh, and in Living Color. Okay. Like, if it wasn't, if it wasn't those two things, I was watching comedy by myself. Okay. So, anyway, I understood it. So, I think when I got older, a lot of my friends that were close to me, like, if you were a close friend, you would know, you would know I was fun. Yeah. But only if you were a close friend. If you were just someone else in my high school that I didn't hang out with on a regular, you would have no idea I was funny or not. Okay. So, uh, some of my friends are like, oh, you should go try stand-up or comedy or something. So, I just looked, I, I can't even remember how I figured out what the Laugh House was. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I had looked it up or something, and I just went and waited in line. Because, like, when you're talking about what about writing, what about film or anything like that, mm -hmm. it's like, back then, you were like, there was no YouTube. Yeah. So, it's like, you didn't know that you could do other things. There was no Twitter. You didn't know, there were no other outlets. Yeah. You know? But what got you on that so, stage? What you, what thought? What, what do you think would be a good idea for you to tell jokes versus maybe I'll just do a blog, or maybe I'll just do a podcast, or I'll write for somebody. Thing, like, 
back then, like, you know, like, there were no other outlets. Okay. You know? Like, the only other outlet was, like, um, I heard Sirius XM, but, like, Howard Stern wasn't quite on there maybe yet. Okay. Like, the only thing I knew was, like, yeah, like, my, I didn't know who Howard Stern was. Like, my friend and my freshman college roommate introduced me to Howard Stern, so, like, I didn't know there was, like, talk radio, that funny kind of thing. Like, yeah. I remember in D.C., they had a local radio station mm-hmm. that we would listen to in the morning. They would do skits and things like that on it. Yeah. And we would laugh, but, like, I wouldn't know how to go get into that or get involved. Okay. You know? But, uh, yeah, I think I just looked up an open mic somehow. Maybe I looked up on the Internet or something, and then I just started going every week. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, cool. I'm glad you talk about that. Now, um... So yeah, so the, the meat and potatoes of this is your writing, and I I would say that if they did a Mount Rushmore of Philadelphia comedians right now, I would say you were clear, clearly would be on there because of your writing and your performing. So I'm very intrigued to know how you do this. So if you can, how you capture an idea, how you how you capture that in writing, if you do write it, uh, how you edit, how you figure out. Um, you know, what's going to get on stage and what's not, how you work it out on stage, and then how you go back afterwards, and then when you know it's a done a done joke. And you can kind of guide me through a whole timeline, the whole life cycle of one of your jokes, or, you know, in general, from thought to the video clip, or your album, let's say. Yeah. For me, like, coming up with new ideas, like, especially right now, it's almost a complete waste of my time. <laughs> not a complete waste of my time, but, it, I mean, as far as how my mind works as far as getting something new. Yeah. Like, I'm not one of those people who's just going to write down pages and pages in a notepad. Okay. You know, like, some people can do that. They write down jokes and bits, and they just have it all written out. But, like, me, it's like, I need the feedback. Otherwise, it's like, fuck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, so, for me, it's like, it's really hard for people, I guess, to write like me, because it's like, if I don't have the feedback from the audience, it's like, I don't know if this is going to work or not. So, it's like... And it's almost, I get frustrated. I'm like, why am I fucking editing this thing that I don't even know if it works to begin with? You know? So it's like, like I have to try it somewhere. But, you know. Is it so all just in your head? Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, well, I have an idea, and then I'll try to put it in a voice recorder so I won't forget it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll constantly have something I think it's hilarious, and then I'll put it in a voice recorder. I'll be like, oh, I'll do it later. Mm-hmm. You know, like if someone sends you a text, you're like, oh, I'll text them back later, and then you yeah. forget to. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like. It's like the same thing with a joke idea. Where probably, I was like, fuck, man, that thing was really funny, but I have no idea what the fuck it was about. You know, and it's just gone into oblivion somewhere. Yeah. So um, I'll use a voice recorder, and then I'll try to use um, Google Notes. Um, I think it's called Google Keep. Yeah. Okay. It's basically like a notepad, and I'll kind of put it in there as a category, and then sometimes I'll try to do like an outline. So I have a category, and then I'll have like the basic ideas underneath it as far as an outline. Okay. And then I'll try to go like, oh, you know, like uh, microphones. And then like, you know, there's three different categories of things I want to talk about microphones. Okay. And so let's say I try it out on stage, and either the idea completely doesn't work, or let's say three of the five bullet points work and the other two don't. Okay. In that category. Okay. So then I'll kind of scratch those out, and then I'll try to like expand on the bullet points that actually did work. Right away, though? Like, you'll just try it once, and then if it doesn't work the one time, you'll scratch it? Sometimes, like, you just know as soon as it comes out of your mouth. Okay. Like, no matter if it's it's a good crowd or a bad crowd, you just know, like, I'm not feeling that. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sucks. <laughs> sometimes you know the crowd sucks. But like sometimes you know, for me, sometimes it's I can't really know something sucks until it comes out of my mouth. But as soon as the words come out of my mouth, like I can see it trailing, I'm like, that fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going up, just like looking at it. I'm just like, fuck you. you know? I'm just like looking at it. But I don't see it until it comes out of my mouth, like in front of an audience. So you record you know? every so single like, set of yours then. No, 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 no. It's like if I'm working on something new, yeah, and I'll do some mic to do some shows or whatever, and I'll try that idea, and then afterwards I'll write that I'll scratch out what worked, what didn't, and then try to expand on it. Right away, like you, you see, you get or, off the stage, you'll just start right. You'll go to like a yeah. like a booth and start writing. Okay. Yeah, or or if I like if I'm somewhere, sometimes I might wait till I get home, or I might talk to myself on the way home from the drive. Okay. And kind of work it out, and then when I get home. I'll put it on the notepad or I'll put it on my, usually my phone 99% of the time of what went wrong, I guess you can kind of say. Okay. And what went right. Okay, yeah. so so everything is in your phone. You have no notebooks. You don't keep any notes. You don't have any computer. You don't write anything on the computer. Wow, cause I, that's almost unbelievable because you're, jo- you're, you're almost like freaking like Joe Frazier up there with your jokes because you'll just keep punching and punching with punchlines. Like, how do you not write that down? How is that all this? Is that just in your phone? You just write all those punchlines are in your phone, like, like the sign up list and the waiting and the like. That's or do you just if remember I'm developing, it? If I'm developing it, then it's kind of like that. But that particular, if I'm doing a rant, mm-hmm. then it changes like all the time. Okay, like it changes up. Like yeah, so like when you're talking about is a joke done? I was like. A lot of my jokes aren't really ever done because I'll change something or I'll, or I'll add something to it or I'll be like, it's not getting the response I want. Okay. So I'll be like, let me just rewrite the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Or a lot of times it's like, you know, figuring out the order of things or just figuring out a different description, you know? Like there was a, um, bit I went, I did, I was talking about, um, um, what is it? Uh, long ass wieners. <laughs> so. Yeah. I wanted to make fun of female comics who go up there and talk about their good coochie. <laughs> and to basically, to basically pander to the women in the crowd. Yeah. And I'm like, what's well, up, ladies with the good coochie? And all the ladies are like, yeah, it's like, it's scientifically impossible for all of you to participate in the good coochie, <laughs> you know, response. Like, there cannot be 100% good coochies in here. It's scientifically impossible. You know, it's like, you're liars. You know, so that's like where the, where like my mind started and then that's, then it goes off to all the other tangents, you know, yeah. like scientifically impossible. Like where's the people who are honest about, you know, raising their hands to admit that theirs is, you know, below average, you know, and then like, <laughs> and then it goes into like, you know, like I can't do that as a man going up there, like asking all the guys who got some good ass wieners, <laughs> you know, and so like, and so it, it's just like a snowball effect where it starts off with something that fucking annoys me. Yeah. And then I'm trying to prove to everybody that they should be on my side about this topic and about my opinion. Yeah. And so that's where, the, that's kind of like where the ranting kind of thing goes. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, so you're, yeah, your, your whole, your whole hour is mostly punchlines. I, I would say if any comedian I know, you, you're the, the, the pie chart of, of what is funny versus like setups. Is hugely skewed to the punchline side because, and so it's, 
I'm trying to get it in your head or trying to get into your mind to figure out how you can capture all that because you're also, each joke has so much contained into it. So let's say you do an hour, of, let's say you do your hour set and let's say like mm -hmm. in minute 14, you, you throw like a new line out. How do you, and it, and it kills, it just, it kills. How do you remember at the end of your set when you do the other 46 minutes that that new like how do you capture that or, and you just don't forget it is it just the way your mind works that just oh you single out that line it's kind of like if it hits a certain way or if like it's something i haven't said before now yeah. i'm going to remember it no matter what wow just okay because it's something that i haven't said before you know or sometimes like if i am ranting and like improving mm -hmm. kind of like also something that already works but i'm improving more just because i see that they're going with it so yeah Sometimes I'll just start to improv more. Like when you're mentioning, like you know, you sign up for open mic and you know you go to your first open mic and you kicked off the stage and yeah. blah blah blah. You're yeah. that type of stupid thing. Yeah. Like if I'm doing that and I see that they're really into it, I just might add something off the top of my head. That's yeah. like, uh, and then that that's another part. Okay. But I oh I release something else that wasn't as funny, kind of thing. Okay. So if like an audience is like really go with something, then I will kind of improv more. Yeah. And kind of see if I can think of something off the top of my head that's funnier than what is already existing. So you trust your mind to remember your whole act and remember what's funny and what's not funny without ever recording anything. But there is something in you that once you are done with your set, you will run to your phone and type in new stuff or something that you may have done because you're afraid that you might forget. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. If I'm afraid I might forget it or if I'm like, I'm like, okay, I just made that bit better when I've been saying this bit 200 times in yeah. a row the same way and then yeah. I just changed it. Now those 200 times are, are done. Okay. Now it's a whole new way of saying it. Yeah. So how, wait, how long have you been doing comedy for? I started in 2005 when I was that. Okay, so about yeah. about 15 years, and it's, it's, it's been the same way this entire time? You've never written anything down? You've never, it's always been like this? I I used, I had notebooks when I first started. Okay. And then, um, yeah, the composition notebooks like everybody else has. Yeah, okay. And, and, I, and I also had notepads. Okay. Um, and then um, I think it just gradually started transitioning to using my phone to put in ideas and voice recordings. Like I probably have like 40 minutes of ideas and voice recordings on my phone right now. Nice. You know, yeah. it's just making me sit down and like go through them. And like, sometimes I listen back to them like, Oh, I was drunk at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's stupid. So that's a great question. So it's like, you, so it's, oh, so it's kind of like picking, you know, the cream of the crop from the voice recordings and then taking those cream of the crops to the notepad on the phone to do bullet points and outlines and then goes and then goes to take that cream of the crop and take that to stage. Okay, so you do sit down and listen to your recordings and make bullet points on paper. Or in your or in your yeah. Google Notes, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How it's often <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust, I know. Uh, 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 how often do you do that? In a week's time, how often do you send down rec doing recordings, getting new ideas, maybe writing some stuff I, down? I would say during the quarantine, <laughs> I probably have done that for an hour. <laughs> total. Like, total. Because it's just like, 
There's nothing. I have nothing to fucking do. There's no, like, you get some private requests, but it's just, like, some weird shit. Yeah. You know, where they want you to drive, like, two and a half hours, you know, and they don't want to pay you, or they're just going to pick the cheapest comic they can. I'm just like, well, go fucking pick the cheap guy. It's not going to be good. And who, well, so who did produce your album? Um, big, big, um, Helium Records. Okay, okay. So basically, the money goes through right. the production costs before you see any money. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so like, you really don't get, you really don't get any money except for like online plays, really, like Sirius XM and all that. That's where the money comes in. Oh, okay. And so, is your album on Sirius XM? Are you trying to get on there? They're playing tracks. Yeah. Oh, seriously? They, yeah, they have tracks. Oh, where can where can we hear that then? Where can I hear where can I hear it on um, Raw Dog? I think it's on the Kevin Hart channel and some other channels. Awesome. But, um, I have to go on this thing called like Sound Sound Exchange and. I have to claim every track that I'm on, and then they have to go into their matrix and see how many times they played each of those tracks, and then verify that it is actually me, and then verify the accounts and all that other shit, and then start putting money into, I guess, my account from there. Well, how does that work then with SiriusXM? Because, like, let's say I hear your track on there, I go, "Oh my god, that is the funniest joke I've heard in my entire life," and then it's gone. Like, it's not like it's Netflix where I can hit the like button on the on this on the radio. Like, how does like how is like how if the people like your joke, it should be in the rotation more frequently, right? Is there a way for them to figure that out, or is it just maybe? I don't know. I actually have no idea. I don't know if it's like, it's a, like a flaw. And also, system. like everyone is short, everyone is short staffed for everything. So yeah. like when I'm like trying to ask questions about stuff, they're like, oh, well, everything's delayed because they're, they're short staffed. They don't. They have like a third of the people working on stuff that they used to. And you used to be able to call in and be like, hey, how many times have you guys played this track? And they would tell you immediately. Or now they just like, oh, we don't have that guy anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. like, that's why, like, because people are like, people would be, like, hyped about the album and stuff. And yeah. I'm just like, whatever. Like, what whatever about them? Like, nothing matters. That's <laughs> why. And, and I guess, I guess you're barred from putting it on YouTube and getting, and trying to monetize it on YouTube because it's probably owed to these other places, right? Are you allowed to put it on YouTube and see if you can monetize? Because I know Chip's album is on it's, YouTube. It's not a video, but just, like, the tracks. With, like, his CD cover as the picture. Well, that was his, that's probably his first album. Yeah. Um, his first album, he used a buddy of his who does, um, audio engineering. Okay. And so basically, Chip, Chip paid him a flat fee, mm -hmm. and then basically Chip can do whatever he wants with it. Whatever okay. he wants with it. Okay. So, it's like, so since I went through Helium Records, it's like you're going through a record company. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's yours, but like, it's also, Theirs. Yeah. So like it's like if I want to if I want to put it somewhere it's like it's not like a big hassle but it's like I got to check you know to make sure that it's not going to yeah, interfere or cross interfere with something that, that something else they're promoting. Kind yeah. Of. Okay. Cool. If you did another album, would you do the flat fee and then you owned it outright, or would you go through another record company again if you did another one? I don't know. I mean, I know like. I worked with Rich Voss. You know, he's a notoriously cheaper guy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> well, actually, well, actually, what he does is he'll use a lav that he'll put into a digital recorder that's in his back pocket. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, his albums, from what he told me before, I guess I don't know, maybe I don't know if it's his latest albums or not, but his previous ones, he said like, "Yeah, it's just a lav that I have for my shirt, and it's back into a digital recorder." 
and then I make the recording, and he like spruces it up, and then um, you know sells it to uh, Sirius XM. Okay. So he's like, so basically, I have a hundred percent control except for the money that I give to the engineer. Okay. Oh, cool. So everybody else, everybody else has like you know mics here, mics here, yeah, you know, mic there, you know, like the the, the mic goes into the soundboard, like that's what everybody, like, everybody else is going. But boss is like, no, I just use a, I just use a lot. Hey, if that you know? if that works, that works. But then um. There's a guy, there's a, yeah, there's a guy who, um, uh, works with, and he was, uh, kind of was telling me that, like, he brings all of his own equipment, and he mics up the room, he, like, puts in things into the soundboard himself, uh-huh. and then that's how he does it. So, like, people do it their own ways. Like, I think I would probably spend the time to get technical savvy enough to do it myself. Okay. And then, like, you know, maybe send it to, like, an engineer I know or something like that. Okay. You know, just to clean it up. But I think probably in the future, like, you know, I would probably study, get technically savvy, be able to do it myself. Okay, cool. Cool, man. Well, I do want to talk about your album a little bit, and I want to be respectful of your time as well. I kind of want to kind of go down the same path, but if you can be a little more specific with, like, maybe, just so I can just be there, almost as if I was, like, with you when this when you were doing these jokes. So, like, for the College of the Scam joke. Yeah. I'm broke because I have a college degree that's uh, pretty much worthless. Anybody else got one of those in here? Yeah? <laughs> worthless college degree? Yeah, do you guys agree with me that college universities are the biggest ripoff in America right now? Anybody else agree with me on that? <laughs> right, with the student loan system? Yeah. And the Democrats, they want college to be free, but I don't think any lesbian experience should be free. But, um... <laughs> It's ridiculous. They shouldn't be free, right? But here's how they rip you off. The degree shouldn't cost the same. That's how you fix the system, right? An engineering degree shouldn't cost the same as an English degree, right? Because they're not worth the same, right? This is how she goes. You'd be like, I want to be an engineer. That's $75,000 a year. What else you got? Well, I'm looking in a clearance rack over here. We got liberal arts, English, and social work for $1,000 a year. You want one of those? Yeah, take one of those. Right? That's fair. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because nobody else can do that business practice and actually stay in business, right? Like, you couldn't go to Best Buy tomorrow and be like, hey, how much is that iPad? $1,000. Hmm. How much is that Etch-a-Sketch? $1,000. Hmm. do like red. And knobs. I think I'll take the Etch-a-Sketch. Now your dumbass is walking out of Best Buy with a thousand dollar etch sketch, right? It's exactly what an English degree is. <laughs> yeah, they should at least give you a warning on your graduation day that your degree isn't gonna be worth anything, right? Like as soon as you walk across the stage, you get your diploma, like, oh Mr. James here, huh? Modern dance! <laughs> Alcoholism Enterprise Rental Car System Manager, get the hell out. <laughs> And can you walk me through like where like what happened that you're like this is a joke with the degrees because you do a great job with uh, you bring in the clearance rack tag and you're and you bring in you etch and sketch like it's a great analogy and then you circle it back to the English degree which you mentioned in the clearance rack portion of the joke so like it's a very well layered joke and so can you walk me through like where did the idea that this was a joke and then how did you process it in your mind to the stage? Um, I think that joke just started off as like so many people having student loans, yeah. you know, 
Um, and then basically getting jobs that can, do, do not have a pay that's that's equal to being able to pay back that student loan. Yeah. And so, and how many and how many people are in that situation year after year, and nothing has changed about it? <laughs> or people keep on, or people keep on just walking into the same. It's a Charlie Brown football thing. You yeah. Know? <laughs> or it's just like every you, know, you just keep on doing that over and over again. It's like why. You know, but it's just like, you gotta go to college, and it's just like, see ya, you know? It's so cool. <laughs> the, I, was this I, your I experience? Did you have student loans? I didn't have, and then this was just I, like. I did, but I didn't have like drastic student loans. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I was, I, I was supposed to be paying them, but, um, my, my family, uh, pressured my dad into paying them. Oh. Oh, good. Good for you. I mean, however you got rid of them, you got rid of them. It doesn't. So then, where did you get clearance rack? How did that so come to play a joke? Um, you mean like um, like because you make like, fun of the degrees like the, for the degrees? Yeah, because people start laughing. I basically started looking as like, yeah, because like I was trying to equate it to like, okay, if your student loans should be equal to what your degrees were. Yeah. You know, or even not even your student loan, just your tuition, whatever your, your cost <laughs> is going to be, should be equal to what your degree is worth. Like you can't charge somebody for you know a Mongolian arts degree, <laughs> you know, versus someone who got like a biochemical engineering degree. You know, it's like these people are not not going to be living the same lives, but you just charge them the same amounts. Yep. So, but you specifically so like that, mentioned yeah. English, you mentioned social work, you meant two very popular degrees. So how do you do it where you have the finesse where like you're calling them out, but you're not insulting them. People who have those degrees are openly laughing with you. They don't feel like that you're insulting them. Was were those the degrees that you came up with? Like were those if you when you started that joke on day one, were those the degrees you picked? Or just doing it many times, those were the two that worked the best. You know it's funny, English English degree, people get offended when I have English degrees. <laughs> Social workers laugh their asses off. Teachers laugh laugh, laugh their asses off. Fucking English people. And I used to hammer it way more than that. Yeah. I used to be like, America's the only country where you can get a degree in the language you speak and people are impressed. <laughs> well, why'd you stop doing, doing that? that? People, it hurt. It hurt too much. Because I was just like, you know, like if you go to, if you met a guy from Russia, and he's like, oh, I have a degree in, in uh, Russian. Like what? Are you from fucking Russia? And I was like, shouldn't be like hacking or some shit. Oh. But so, but. Can you hear me? Because I think I think I lost you first. Oh no, I can hear you fine. Sorry, I can hear you fine. And then, so then walk me okay. through how you got iPad etch and sketch. Was that something that was part of the joke when you first had it in your head? Or was that like a year after you've been telling the joke, you like walked by an etch and sketch or like, oh, I can do an analogy with this and an iPad. Where'd you get etch and sketch? It was basically trying, it was basically trying to show how ridiculous the differences are as far as what they're worth, but yeah. you're going to charge the same amount. But where'd so you get like, iPad etch and sketch? Because you could have done that with so many different things, but you did iPad etch and sketch, which is the best. That's the best line to put in there. Yeah. Well, I had different um, variations of it, but I think that just popped in my head one day, and I was just like, "What's?" Because I had to think of something popular. Like everybody yeah. knows what an iPad is. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So if I'm like, "Oh, what about a Panasonic 4K Blu-ray player versus a VHS player?" <laughs> like, 
what? Like, I understand that joke, but, like, it had to be something that everyone else completely would get. So, like, everyone knows what an iPad is. Mostly everyone knows what Etch-a-Sketch is. You know, they're both something that you hold in your hands kind of the same way. Yeah. You know? And let's say they're relatively the same size, kind of the same way you hold it in your hands. But if someone put that in your hands, like, it's $800, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here, you know? <laughs> so it was basically, you know, I was trying to, like, be like, oh, you got an English degree diploma in your hands. It's like, that's a fucking extra sketch, <laughs> you know? So like everybody else is walking across the stage getting iPads. And you're walking around <laughs> yeah. and, and then you do something that appeals to my sense of humor. I want to know if this was something that was just on the spot, or if this has just been something you've done it all the time. Because I can't remember if you do. Because you talk about etch and sketch, and people start laughing. Then you're like, I like it. Red knobs. Like you say, I mean, I like when you do like knobs. You're like, I like knobs, or whatever you say. Which is, I love that part. Like, yeah. is that just did that just come to your head as you were just telling that joke in that clip, or have you been like? That works. I can do red and knob. I like knobs, and people will laugh harder if I say I, that. I think I just improv that one night. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I was, I was, I was imitating the guy making the decision. <laughs> like, I'm like he's at Best Buy and he's trying to make the decision. So he's like, he's like, he knows he should. He knows the smart thing to do is to get the iPad, but he's like, but I do like the color red. <laughs> so it was kind of like making fun of the people where it's just like. Well, you know, I really enjoy reading Hamlet, so I'm going to go get the English degree. You know? <laughs> so it's like, they're like talking themselves into being poor. Yeah. You know, they're getting like the lesser, the lesser yeah. product. And then you, yeah, it's like the iPad doesn't have knobs. Yeah. And then you follow the, the David James formula with the punchline beatdown where you're like, and then when you're doing the graduation walk and you're like, and you do English major and you're, and you're like, oh no, no, you do modern dance. I'm sorry. You do it. You do modern dance. And you're like, yeah. you would do an alcoholism, assistant manager, <laughs> enterprise rent a car. Where did you get those from? I mean, those make perfect sense, but like, how did you get all of those together in one thing? Yeah. It's, it's actually funny if I have rental car people in the audience when I say that, and they all just start pointing at each other, and the rental car people will laugh at that joke big time. They'll all start pointing at each other. Um, I think it became, that came directly from experience. When I first graduated, um, I had to be a social worker in Chester, Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Chester. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, yeah. Chester's right where 95 and 476. No, my wife, my and, wife uh, went to some soccer games. I was a social from. worker in the city. Uh, she, uh, yeah, so I was a social worker in the city of Chester, yeah. um, making $24,000 a year, which they bumped up to $28,000 a <laughs> after six months. <laughs> and you're in Chester. <laughs> and, I was, and I was working with child abuse cases. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I was working with people who would throw scalding hot water in their children and wonder why they had to be, uh, had a case involved. Um, so, and I want to yeah. show... So did all of that come together at once or that whole, that whole joke from like the clearance rack to the picking of the degrees to the etch and sketch to the graduation walk and that and the rundown of the future jobs? Did that come as a timeline? And, and that's one of the examples of you said etch and sketch. Oh, that hit hard. I'm going to run real quick after the show and write down etch and sketch in my Google notes. Was that an example or did it all come in one big bulk at the beginning? And that joke has pretty much been unchanged since day one. That that particular bit came together relatively quickly. Okay. Um, 
there's been minor changes here, here and there, but as far as like the gist of it, like it was pretty much like bang, bang, bang as soon as I started thinking about it. Okay. You know? So when, when you have a, when you do back to that example that you have when you have know something that hits and you want to go write it down, when you're done with your when you're done with your set and you leave, do you immediately run somewhere where no one will bother you, or do you go somewhere where someone comes up to you and you like, dude, just give me a couple of minutes, I need to get my notes in order, or can you like have a conversation and then still remember? Like, how do you do that from the time that you end your set and then, but you want to get all the good stuff on on your Google Notes? Like, how do you do that with people coming up I, to you? As long as I do it within 24 hours, I can pretty much I'll be fine. Wow. But I, I mean, I. So I don't need to like run into a corner and be like, oh my god, this, this is a, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Because like I, it's, I mean, some people work like that, you know. Mm -hmm. but it's always annoying to me where you're just trying to like hang out or whatever, and like someone's just like look into your notebook and like, hey, how you doing, my name's Kevin. No, not right now. Not right now. <laughs> I want to get a fucking, you know, that kitten joke. I gotta remember the kitten joke because before I said like pa, and then sometimes I say purr, and people like more purr. So I get a fucking, it's like, oh, sh fucking burn your notebook. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to be, so I don't want to be one of those people where it's like I don't have to like run up, run away immediately like I have a memory disorder. Like <laughs> okay. No, clearly you. I mean, dude, I I feel like you're some kind of savant where you just have like this iron trap mind where you don't write anything down, but your whole act is like your whole hour is like 416 different punchlines that somehow you can you know the exact order of. I I I don't. I, I can't relate at all. <laughs> all my stuff is written down because I won't ever remember. But um, uh, so the second joke you do about the um, about the, uh, the 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 you're mentoring the the you're you're, you're working with the, the the juvenile delinquents. Um, so all your jokes seem to come from personal experience. That's a fair statement, right? Because you do talk about like you know dating yeah. troubles and you talk about. Uh, working with kids, you talk about you know your one testicle, you know. So you do, but you don't do jokes about your childhood. Is that shit just too painful to get? You don't. You don't want people to know about that. You don't think it's what? What is the hard line where it's like I'm talking only about adult shit that I'm going through? That's funny. Not about kid shit that I went through. That's funny. That pain is for a whole other it's area. Probably, it's probably because if. The re it's probably because of this. It's annoying for me when people start, like, getting all emotional or like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened, you know? Yeah. And so, like, like that's why probably why I don't talk about childhood that much in comedy or even if I'm, like, friends with people, mm -hmm. you know? I don't really say that much about it. Like, I don't talk about, you know, being a social worker and the child abuse cases, yeah. like, you know, I, I don't talk about working in drug court and, you know, the overdoses, people dying and yeah. all this other stuff. So it's like, it's like, it's annoying for me when people are like, of course you're supposed to feel, but like, yeah. it's like, I'm trying to go somewhere fun yeah. with the, get my past sensitive and get off for me being able to get to the funny of it. Then it's uh -huh. annoying for me, you know? Yeah. So it's, that's probably why, I mean, I, I mean, I can probably sit down and think of some things, you know? But it's just like, I hate the, and then like, you know, instead of being like, hey, great set or something like that, but like, did that really happen? <laughs> you know, I just, even a story, even a story about getting a testicular torsion, people will ask if that really happened. <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, I was up there for an hour talking about all types of shit, but that's the one thing you want to be like, oh my God, is that, is that did you make that up? Yeah, I made a fucking story up. 
as losing a testicle as a child. I get laughs. laughs. Yeah, that's what I did. So let's say you're walking down the street and you come up with like the most fantastic joke that there ever was about um, being put in a special ed class just because you were black. Are you like I'm? I'm just not going there. I'm just gonna just I, I got I got my own chuckle out of it, and it just goes out the. Um, that's too much for me. Are you? If you had a great joke or or a great joke about, you know, your your mom, you know, your your mom having you know three different partners, or maybe your your stepmom being mean and abusive to you. If you had just the perfect punchline, would you would you self sabotage yourself and purposely not do it? Um, I think, I mean, I would, um, for some reason, I guess like for comedy and my mind just hasn't gone to that stuff, even though I could, if I made myself sit down and like, and think of funny stuff like that about the girl finger banging herself, you know, <laughs> you know like, like, yeah, I could, I could, I could go do jokes about all of that stuff, Yeah, you know, but, then, um, but for some reason it's just like, there'll be other topics that I guess I'm more excited about. Okay. If that makes sense. No, I no, I understand. That's fine. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just curious. No, but it's also no, no, no. But I mean, I totally get what you're saying. You're yeah. like, I didn't know any of this stuff about you. How come yeah. you're not doing it on stage? Or Dude. how come, like, you know? Yeah. So it's like I get I get your perspective of it. Like, and plus I've had people say that like, why aren't you talking about any of that stuff? Yeah. You know. So I've had several people say that to me. Well, so I was talking to Eric Terrell, and he he this I, and I go I go why do you talk about stuff that happened into your to your life? Why don't you just make like oh you saw a funny sign, and you just make a joke about that, or mm -hmm. you had a weird you had a weird interaction at a park? Why do you talk about that? He goes, well, it's the difference between being liked and loved. If I talk about myself more. People will love me more for it. Do you agree with that? Do you purpose? Is it because of that and your and your and your emotional shutdown that you purposely want to keep people at arm's length? No, it's like um, I don't have a problem with that. It's more like a uh, as far as keeping people. It's more like a like the love thing. It's like for me, it's like if they think you're fine, they're gonna love you anyway. Okay. You know? Okay. You know what I mean? So no, it's I like you know. And it's like, as far as like the, uh, I guess the difference between being liked and loved, it's like, that isn't a huge thing for me. Okay. It's more like a, it's more like, a, I'm more of a picky person, so it's like, you know, someone, if, I, if I'm cool with somebody, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm already investigating you in my mind. Yeah. Like, the moment I meet you, I'm, I'm already starting to investigate and put judgment. <laughs> You know, and I'm letting you talk, and you have no idea that I'm that I'm picking you apart in my yeah. mind as we go along. Okay. You know, so there's not, so what I mean, so that's one thing I say I've gotten from my dad. So it's like, I I guess I value genuineness more than popularity, if that makes sense. Okay. And it's probably why I suck at social media because because <laughs> <laughs> I because I, it, so much of it is not genuine to me, and okay. I don't put it much effort into it because of that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now, this, I wanted to ask you this question, and it, it uh, uh, some comments I've had some of the other comics I've had prior to you, which is, um, doing jokes in a predominantly white room, white audience, and doing jokes in a predominantly black room. Or do you kind of stay away from any kind of like racial stereotypes if you're doing like maybe a majority black room kind of thing? I'm just always interested to know these kind of things. I, I don't change my bits. Okay. I don't change my bits. Okay. And do they receive? Um, is it received well? If I do, the only thing I might, the only thing I might do is change mm 
Mm-hmm. The, um, the, if I'm doing like a, fuck, the fuck was that called? Um, shit. I don't remember what it's called anymore. You talk to the audience. Crowd work. There you go. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's so long. <laughs> what's that thing? Um, so I might change crowd work or I might change, I might change the beginning of the show if I'm just like ranting or improving yeah. at the beginning of the show before I get to my bits. But as far as the wording of bits, mm-hmm. no, because it's, for me, it's like I have to bring them into my world and my sense of humor. Yeah. And if they don't, if they don't get on board, fuck. You yeah. know, I mean, I'll have certain things. The only thing I've noticed is if I if I go to let's say doing the suburbs uh-huh. and I'll do you know it's pretty much all fucking white people yep. you know uh-huh. um they'll, they'll, if I do anything like I have a joke about acts about hooking up at the training yeah you know and then uh make, and 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 telling her to help me make the bed in the morning <laughs> you know so I'll do that joke and like and. In the beginning of it, like, the white people in the suburbs are like, yeah, goddamn trains, trying to use our bathrooms, they don't know where the punchline's going. So they're all, like, all Republican dumb. And then the joke ends up being, like, a fucking, you know, like a, a surprise on purpose. Yeah. You know, and they see their faces change, you know. But um, some black people will look at you just because, like you said, like, a lot of my jokes are just rants and punchlines and punchlines, yeah. and then the next topic will have nothing to do with the previous topic. Yeah. You know? Okay. And so I'll get a lot of older black people who are used to like stool humping and you gotta wash your ass and smoke weed. Like, since I don't have that style, they're yeah. just looking at me like, you know, it's a lot of like, like, you need help kind of thing. You know, they just look at me like, I need help. Yeah, but it's because they've been conditioned to a certain type of comedy. Mm-hmm. Is there a room you, you know, prefer so to tell like, jokes in? Do you prefer to tell jokes in a majority white crowd? Or you prefer to tell jokes in a predominantly black crowd? Doesn't matter to me, really. Okay, I was interested I mean, because I know some people like I know some people like say they prefer a black room because it's harder. But like, I actually got the opposite. Some of the me, some of the black comics I talked to said that their jokes work better in white rooms, but they said they wish it worked better in the black rooms. That's but I, that's what I've seemed to be, and I was wondering what your, if your answer was going to be similar, but it seems not to be similar. It seems to be it doesn't matter. Um, no, so, like, certainly, like, at Helium or something like that, like, yeah. I've worked with, like, you know, the whitest comics ever, and I've also worked with, like, black comics in mm-hmm. that room, where it's just, like, you know, 95% black crowd. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, I'm not changing a damn thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to say what I want to say, you know, and sometimes, it might take them like five minutes to get on board yeah. until they realize that this is my style and you're going to be seeing a different type of show yeah. than what you might be accustomed to seeing. Mm-hmm. But but the end result is the same as any other room, if that makes sense. By the okay. time I'm done, the result's the same, Okay. if that makes sense. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Is there material that you won't do? Jokes, subject matter you won't touch, or is everything fair game? So... The only subject matter I won't touch is something that's been talked about already. Okay. Like, beat to death. Okay. I don't do Trump stuff, politics, like, everyone's doing that, like, late night talk shows, like, they have excellent writers who that's all they have the job to talk about. Yeah. And jokes about, you know? Yeah. Sorry. It's like, Colbert, Daily Show, stuff like that, like, people have already done that and are doing it on a nightly basis, so yeah. there's no point. Okay. Um, okay. Um, or something that... Some, yeah, or something I feel like that's been beaten to death, I won't do that. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I'm going back to your answer to your first one I just wrote down. How many, pre-COVID, how many times a week do you get up on average? Average week, average number of times you get up. Do a set. Um, before COVID, it was probably like um, two or three times a week, but that's like I wasn't going to any open mics or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. of course, it could have been more, but I was just yeah. like, no, I'm just going to my paid yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. like you, I feel like, is not yeah. needing an open mic unless you are absolutely desperate for something. But yeah, okay, cool. I want to talk about the album. So first of all, what does the album mean to you? Like, why did you decide to do an album after 15 years in the game? Um, basically, a lot of my friends are telling me I should, you know? I think you were, I think you were one of the people who asked me I, if I was going to do one. Well, it was just so, a flawless yeah. out, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people were kind of bugging me to do it. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I was like, oh, why not? Because I, I was like, oh, no one's going to show up, you know, and all this other shit that goes through your head, you know. And so it's just like, nah, I'll just fucking schedule it and just whatever. You know, whoever shows up, shows up. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Now, was your album just a one-time deal, like a one-shot, or was it two shows? And then you splice them together for the album. It was basically one show, but a couple tracks I took from... Uh, Featuring from like a month before that. Okay. Like maybe two tracks, but like there weren't any tracks that bombed. Yeah. So like it was basically just like I might have missed a word or yeah. missed something in the recording, and so I was like, oh, I missed that. And so actually, the the clip that I sent you. Yeah. Um, I think that version is different from the album version. Okay. Because <laughs> there's yeah. there's actually the album version. There's some punchlines I I fucked up and I missed. <laughs> And the album, but what people don't realize is basically just extensions. It's more the reason like it's punchline after punchline after punchline. Yeah. yeah. Like that one was like punchline, punchline instead of punchline, 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 punchline. Yeah. And so <laughs> I forgot like a couple of tags or whatever. But like unless you knew the bit word for word, people weren't gonna know. Yeah. I love the album title. I love, and if anyone listens, I'm gonna I'm gonna include a link to your um. Uh, out there where they can download it on Amazon and iTunes so that anyone who hears this can click on it because it's, it's, it's a great, I mean, it's, I've listened to it a million times. I went out to Chicago this past weekend and I heard, or yeah, last weekend, and I heard it going there on the way back and that was like the fourth and fifth time I've heard the album already. It's, it's called Kidnapping Season. I love the joke is based off of about you dating a Nigerian girl. <laughs> so like, and this is, and yeah. so this is just kind of going back to kind of like the formula to write jokes. When you're with when you are with this girl and and she tells you this, does that automatically in your head go this is a joke or is it not until later that you digest what she had just said to you and you're like this is funny? The only jokes that I've had that were instant were um uh there was a girl who <laughs> she was like trying to seduce me and she goes. I'm gonna have you so memorized. Oh yeah, yeah. instead of mesmerized. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as she said it, I was like, I'm fucking right now. Um, yeah, but there's not a lot of. I you know it's funny. The only other the joke I had that was instant uh-huh. that I ended up losing was I was watching Gladiator with my roommate, yeah. and uh, and he's like, Hey, when would you like to time travel? And I was like, he goes, I think I'll go back to the Roman Coliseum to see like these fights. 
And I said, well, pretty much as a black person, I'm pretty much limited to anything after 1982. <laughs> you know? and I think I said back in, I said at 1984, I was like, when did Thriller come out? Like, right around Thriller, they started saying, black people might be okay. And I said, anything after that. And so I started writing this whole thing about I can't time travel. And then fucking, I see Louis C.K. special talking about how great it is to be white, that you can time travel back to the year two and they have a table for you. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> but it was like, yeah, so like some some things are instant. It's like, oh, that's gonna be fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, dude, it's a great album, man. I'm so happy you did it. Now, are you? What's your now? What's your thing now? Like, so when you come out to Hershey, are we gonna see that album, or are you gonna be like, it's now my job to get new material as fast as possible so that I can sell the album at the show and it's not the same stuff. Like, what's your thought process of new material now that you just did this album? Um, I'm not going to be, I don't think I'm going to be pressured to be having a new material for a while as okay. far as self-pressure. Okay. Just because it's like, for how my process works, getting new jokes is almost impossible right now. Yeah. You know, it's like I can write stuff down. I mean, I put a Hershey or a punchline or whatever and like, yeah. you know, do it. 45 minutes of new stuff, but <laughs> I have no idea, you know, what's going to happen with it. So it's like, these are like, it's one of those things where it's like, artistically, I'd rather, I'd love to do that, mm -hmm. you know, but it's just like, oh, these are paying people. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, everybody from every show I go to from now on is people have listened to my album, like, you know, 30 times before I go there. Yeah. Okay. You know? So yeah. it's like, plus like the album, like, I did like an hour and 15, an hour and 20 on stage. Yeah. But the album's like 50, 55 minutes. Yeah. So there was a bunch of stuff that I cut out of it. Okay. You know, so then there was stuff that I didn't even make it to the cutting board as far as like putting, being on the list of okay. coming out. So, you know, it's like I feel comfortable doing a mix, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just like it's hard for me to really know what works because there's no shows to go do them on, you know, before you go do a certain show. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, dude, I'm I'm so happy you did it, dude. I can't wait to see you in Hershey. Hopefully nothing crazy happens between now and then. Um, the other thing I want people to check out is your Driving in Philly videos, which are absolutely amazing. I love the voice. I love that. I don't, I don't know why you stopped doing I guess you stopped driving Uber, so that kind of goes out the window. No, but you can still do it. You still have the equipment, yeah. right? Yeah. Actually, I have about... I have probably about 30 minutes of footage in the archives that I haven't used yet. I mean, it's perfect. So I might go back to it. I love the voice. Yeah. I love everything else, man. Um, uh, just a last couple things here. Have Have your mom and dad ever seen you perform live? Mm, my dad saw me once at the DC Improv years ago, probably at least 10 years ago. Um, and my mom has seen me in San Antonio. Probably at least ten years ago. Yeah. Do you hope that they see you again yeah, too? Way, my mom, uh, my mom skipped tracks on the album. With me, she like she just didn't yeah. want to. <laughs> she thought if I was, she thought if I was going to use vulgar language or go into a dirty place, she would skip the track and not finish listening to it. Yeah. Uh, there's some support. Good old moms. Um, cool, man. Is there anything else that you wanted to? I mean, I could I could talk to you for like another hour and a half, man. I mean, there's just so much stuff here. But is there anything else that you wanted to plug, like a website or anything that I could add to the video? Whenever there's anything else you want people to know about besides your album, besides your um, YouTube channel? 
Nothing really. I mean, uh, Facebook is David James Comedy. And, okay. Uh, YouTube is David. YouTube is David James Comedy, and Instagram is D James Comedy. Yeah. But uh, I I should be starting a podcast within Sweet. a couple weeks. Awesome. We're ironing it out, and then uh. I think I'm just going to start delving into a lot of video stuff. Good. Stand up is dead. Good. I hope yeah. you do, man, because your stuff's always on. Dude, even your Instagram with the with the poster next to the punchline Philly, the cat. Dude, that's, <laughs> dude, that's what I so much appreciate of you. It's just like you are pointing out shit that is just right there and nobody fucking sees it. I just, that's, that's the genius of yeah. David James. <laughs> um, and I'll leave it on this because I'm just curious. Why do you go by David James? That's not your real name on stage. Why don't you go by your actual real name? Is there a reason behind that? We all have to say your um, own name. You don't I, want to. I did well when I first started. I was doing social work, and okay. uh, so like, I, ha- I guess I kind of had a government county job or whatever. So yeah. I was like, you know, let me just use a different last name instead of my real last name. You okay. Know, just because of that reason, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Do you wish now that you don't have a government job anymore? Do you wish you could go by your real name, or are you cool just doing David James? Uh, no, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. So good, dude. Yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing everything. This was perfect. It's exactly what I thought would come of this video series is what, what this, this whole two hours was about. So thank you so much, so much, man. Dude, take care. I look forward to uh, seeing you in person hopefully very soon. And good luck at the punchline, man. Cool, buddy. All right, buddy. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I gotta try to get my shit together before then. Oh, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure people will come out. I'm sure people are gonna come out. No, I feel like I'm gonna stutter through everything. That's what I mean. Yeah, but you know, yeah. crowds. I feel like should expect some kind of like there should be like a little bit of a of a leniency kind of deal. So, um, yeah. but dude, thank yeah. you so much again. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Later, buddy. See you, buddy. Bye. Hey, portal, hang up. it that's our uh, episode for this week that's our talented david james one of the best comics again in philadelphia truly a mount rushmore of philadelphia comedy comedian uh you can catch david and i actually this saturday at the vineyard and brewery hershey will be on a show together down there i'll put links to that in the show notes as well for whatever tickets are remaining at this point that you see this uh, I truly appreciate David coming and doing this with me. I was humbled that he agreed to do this to begin with because I look up to him so much as a comic and respect what he does. David is truly, his jokes are like truly a, like a gatling gun of punchlines where he just like hammers like, you know, so many different punchlines into one premise. It's unbelievable. So it's great to get to diagnose how he's able to do that. I hope you had as much fun with this interview as I did and really got to know David in a different light than I think most people get to. Um, if you enjoyed this interview, please share it. Please subscribe to this channel. Please comment. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you guys next week. Take care.